Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to An Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. As you notice, I change up the opening because, you know, I'm a wild man. I like changing up stuff. But what I'm not going to change ever is my thankfulness to your support. Thank you for joining me every week, whenever and wherever you are listening to this podcast. I am grateful for your support and I appreciate you so much. And if you have not officially joined the Immigrant Nation, I suggest for you to please click the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast. Another way to be part of this community is by visiting and following our social media accounts. Our handle is at an immigrant's life. Uh, there you can see pictures, audio reels, and other things that I, you know, consider cool. It is also there where you can contact me if you or someone you know wants to be a guest on the podcast, or you can send an email to animmigrantslife at yahoo.com. So let's connect and tell your beautiful story. All the reminders are done. Now, you know what time it is. We're going to talk about the episode, right? Fashion has the potential to be influential in raising consciousness and creating an impact. Our guest this week is epitomizing the act of being a positive role model and championing profound change by ensuring their style choices are in line with a sense of purpose and community accountability. Please enjoy this easygoing, light conversation, and I hope you take something away from it, because I really did. So let's not waste more time. Without further ado... Let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is a designer and a marketer. He's the Filipino Virgil Abloh. Everyone, <laughs> please welcome Raylan Mendoza. Yo, thank you. Thank you for having me, man. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Um, very high, high standard in regard to live up to Virgil Abloh. But, you know, I'm doing my best. That's what we're trying to do, right? <laughs> That's all we're trying to do. That's all we're trying to get by. By the way, thank you for coming on the podcast, my man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, man. I'm very, I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Of course, man. I just want to talk smack and you know some fashion and whatever else, you know. <laughs> of course, of course. But before we get into that, why don't you tell the immigrant nation where they can reach you or if you want to promote anything? Yeah, yeah. So first up, uh, my name is Rayland Mendoza, Ray for short. I am the creative director and co-founder of the art collective and lifestyle brand, I'll Call You Tomorrow, as well as the creative agency Tomorrow Works, amongst kind of a bunch of different projects all over the place. Hmm. Um, they can find me usually the best way is Instagram, I'll Call You Tomorrow is the, uh, the brand. Um, and then my personal one is just Rayland Mendoza, which uh, Rayland, R-A-E-L-A-N-D, no Y. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Rayland, very distinctly mm-hmm. Filipino. Very, very, right? Where is that? What's the origin of the story, of the name? Man, honestly, I wish I had like a really fun story for it, but that's just the name that was given to me. Um, my like 
my fun origin story of my name is actually related to my middle name, which I feel like is also distinctly like a Filipino thing. Hmm. Um, so I actually share the same middle name as a very famous Canadian rapper, uh, AKA Drake. So that is my middle name. Really? Um, yeah. And, wow. uh, I don't normally, I don't, I don't normally talk about it in like in work interviews, but yeah, hmm. my middle name is Drake. Um, okay. my mom got it from, like a soap opera that she used to watch a lot when she was pregnant with me. And then it also just kind of like, it worked out really well. Cause I spent a lot of time in Toronto growing up as a kid. Oh, too. Yeah. So it, nice little kind of like overlap down there. That's beautiful. But because you know how Filipinos are usually what they do is they mix the name of the dad and mm-hmm. the mom. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of expecting that yeah. would be the story. So they did that for my sister, but they mm. didn't do that for me. But then I don't like, honestly, it's like Filipino people were just dramatic, right? So it's kind of <laughs> like it was given to me and I've just like, yeah, rode with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that's why when I saw your name, like, I love his name because he's so distinctly <laughs> Filipino. And I, I used to have this like relationship with Filipino names with, ah, that's, you know, that's so Filipino, you know, like, mm-hmm, come on, mm-hmm. man, do some do something better. But now I have come to my you know, part of mm-hmm. my life, like, you know what, dude, that is pretty cool, because it's very Filipino. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely, like, me growing up as a kid, I have, like, distinct memories of, like, you know, you go into those stores, and you see, like, keychains with all of the names in it, <laughs> and I would never find my name, and then I used to be like, oh, I wish I had, like, you know, a standard white name, like, I don't know, Spencer or something, mm. Um, but now, these days, coming full circle, I'm, like, I'm like hell yeah, this is my name. Like, mm. I don't. It just it feels like me, and I like I don't. I don't think I could go like walk around the world with a different name. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you said online that your mom, or, or uh, you said earlier that your mom and your dad was born in Canada. No, so I'm born in Canada, but my okay. parents are from the Philippines. Okay. Um, on some true like immigrant love story though. And I thought mm. like, this is always like a fun story for me to tell. Mm. Um, my dad, when he first immigrated, he touched down in Mississauga, which is just outside of Toronto for those unfamiliar. Um, he lived there for a couple of years, but then he got a job to come to Edmonton. And then he met my mom on the first day that he was in Edmonton. Wow. And like, that was like, yeah, and that was it. And then they just like started seeing each other, started dating and, you know, and they they did they, they actually did it right too. So when they got together, they didn't have kids right away. So mm-hmm. they like they got married, and then they just basically like traveled and enjoyed their life. And then they had me. So they're very like my my folks are pretty cool. Are you sure they're Filipinos? Because that's not very Filipino. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very it's very like interesting where like my parents like I feel very connected to my culture despite being mm-hmm. born here. And my parents, you know, in my eyes, they're very Filipino, but in, in some aspects of their life, whether it is like creativity or just like the the way that they go about things is very like, yeah, I guess, non-traditional. Hmm. Yeah. You're lucky, man. You know, I'm, I try to be grateful for it. You know, <laughs> they're cool yeah. with me running around, you know, working in fashion and, you know, having a bunch of these tattoos and stuff. So, <laughs> And they're cool with it. They're cool with it. They're cool with it. They embrace it, you know? That's awesome, man. 
I did some digging on you and I found out that you're from the suburbs of Edmonton, St. Albert specifically. Yes. yes. <laughs> you did your research, man. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a very, um, it's like a suburb just outside to the north of the city. And it's a very interesting kind of space because it's gotten more diverse now. But definitely mm-hmm. when I was growing up, it was not diverse, like, as a, like at all, basically. Mm. Were you the only Filipino or person of color in the class or even in the school? There was, I think in my grade, there was like maybe like one or two other <laughs> like Filipino kids. And like, it got like, honestly, at its worst, it was like, even teachers would mix up me with like other brown kids. <laughs> That's and horrible. Like, yeah, it's, it's not great. But like, it, I don't know, it was such a unique experience growing up mm. with that like during the weekdays and then I would spend all my like other out of school time and all of my friends and all of my cousins were all like on the proper North side of the city. Mm. Um, and that was like a very diverse neighborhood, very Filipino, very intersecting with like African community communities, um, Latino communities. And I think that comes out a lot in like our approach to our work that these days where I am so community focused because hmm. I would constantly go back and forth between these spaces that just like I could not see myself in and then was just like also trying to find my community and identity in these spaces where I was like essentially like the whitewashed kid essentially for, <laughs> for a while. Mm-hmm. Were you resentful to your parents that you're living in a suburb is not the cool place to live in? I think maybe when I was younger. Definitely to an extent, just kind of being like, oh, I desperately just would want to be around like my friends and like the communities that I was starting to build at a young age. Though, mm-hmm. so, as I got kind of older, I really bec- like came to appreciate and learn those opportunities that also like the, essentially the, like the privilege that it came with that mm-hmm. um, coming from where I come from. And that even just stems into like career-wise, life-wise, the opportunities that definitely afforded me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like definitely at one point I was a little resentful, but now it like I, I've come to accept it. And my parents definitely like they worked their asses off to like get into that neighborhood before it turned into what it turned into, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and yeah, if anything, I do kind of think about the what if of like what what, what my life would look like if I actually was from a different part but hmm. same time maybe i wouldn't have that same drive to like find find and build out community yeah isn't that so funny you know like you need that you need that the challenges for you to be a better person or a better artist or whatever you're trying to be before other than being like you know comfortable totally it's like it's what makes you you know like it's you need to have those core integral experiences to like to not have certain things to really challenge your identity or like really challenge your self-concept of how you want to go about the world. Hmm. Um, and then everything just kind of just builds up on top of that. Like um, I've spent time in a bunch of different cities, um, whether it's like Toronto, Vancouver, here. And yeah, for some, like, honestly, it's kind of like, it's really ingrained in me that like, 
I really love my city down here. And part of that is because I had to like really fight for like, you know, building my circles out here. Mm -hmm, definitely. You were saying that you were going to the north of the city. What were you doing there? Just chilling? A lot of chilling, um, a lot of getting into trouble with my cousins and friends. <laughs> um, and then I grew up as, you know, as all Filipino guys do, um, out of the triangle, you know, I chose instead of like basketball, breakdancing and music, I, I, was, <laughs> I couldn't play, I couldn't play any instruments. Hmm. So I, and like, I couldn't dance, so I just played basketball. So, yeah. um, I played sports and I would like, instead of playing in the community teams in the neighborhood that I was from, I would hmm. play on the North side of the city with all of my cousins and we would play on these like um like predominantly filipino or like uh poc teams and it was always like this very interesting experience when we would like go on tournaments or go around the city and find new spaces and i'm like pulling up with you know a very diverse crew versus then me then going to the suburbs on the weekends or <laughs> during the week yeah that's funny man Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, okay, when you're playing hoop, because there's two, for mm -hmm. me, there's two types of Filipinos in yes. Canada. One yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is the one that grew up here, like you, you're born mm -hmm. here, mm -hmm. and the one mm -hmm. that was born over there and yeah. just plays like, I hate the game. You know, like, you stare at them, they'll call foul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you handle that? Okay, so for me personally, because we had, like, I was basically raised playing basketball around both of those people. Mm. I was definitely the kid that like, like straight up, I was never really all that good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I think my peak basketball career or like I was, I think senior, like no junior varsity team and like basically was like the backup point guard. And after that, <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm good. I had my moment. I'm not trying to overstep. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, it was always fun to see the cultural differences of this being, like, even how rowdy kids would play. Like, you know, you go up for the ball and they slip in the elbow. Like, mm -hmm. you, you're, like you just, like, feel it in your side. Um, but it was, like, for me, it was always really interesting. I actually got into basketball because a big reason of it was actually, like, the culture around it. Like, the subculture. So like, mm. music, fashion the way other teams would like style their jerseys would like communicate kind of like maybe like what they're into what music they're listening to or maybe like what part of the city they were from hmm. so like i was really fascinated by that and sport was like a really cool way for me to engage with like subculture for hmm. the first time mm -hmm. you said that you were connected to the culture with filipino culture was there a time in your life that you didn't want to be associated with filipinos Definitely. I think it's like, it, especially as like a second gen person, like, you know, the stigmas of like, yo, I don't want to look fob. I don't want to like, you know, <laughs> do all that kind of shit. Mm. Or like, oh, is like my accent coming out or I don't have an accent, blah, blah, like being proud of that. Mm. It's definitely, it was part of it. Definitely when I was younger, though, I'm at a point in my life where, especially because I've been back to the Philippines and like, I'm even like working on like, I'm like professionally trying to figure out like what my creativity and my output looks like in the Philippines. And, mm. you know, like where I'm very fortunate to be able to like still have access to like my culture geographically, as well as like here in Canada and in terms of the people I'm around. Mm -hmm. It's, 
I was definitely like, it's, it's part of every like second gen person's, I think, journey, like to be a little ashamed or at least figure out their own relationship with it. Hmm. But these days I've come to the point in my life where I'm definitely proud of it. And if anything, I'm really interested by this like element and challenge of like figuring out how much or like what parts of the Filipino culture and identity I want to like carry forward for the rest of my life. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, if I am to have kids or a family or something like that, what am I passing down and all Mm -hmm. that kind of thing? How am I kind of continuing this legacy of like whatever it means to be Filipino? Yeah, I love that. You mentioned that you visited the Philippines. Do you know where your families came from? Your mom and dad? Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is from Sampaloc. Um, and then my dad is in like Quezon, um, in like somewhere up in the provincia kind of thing. Yeah, where, uh, I'm from Rizal. Mm-hmm. So it's like one, b- about two, two provinces mm-hmm. over. Six, six. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's been a while since I've been back just because of like COVID and the pandemic and everything. Yeah. But it's definitely like up at the top of my list that I need to like touch back to the motherland like within the next like year or so. Hmm. Do you enjoy it when coming back home? Like what do you do? Do you have friends? Uh, these I've only actually like I've have friends now, but that's kind of like a new thing. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it is always, it's a fun time. It's always kind of like, I'm sure other people had this experience when you're like me as someone that's born there, when you're going like to the Philippines, going back to whatever motherland you came from, on the plane, you're like, yo, I feel so in tune with my culture. I'm like, so <laughs> Filipino. And then like the minute that like the door opens and then you see all the people and all the noise and like mm. all the smells and like everything come at you and you're like, yo, like I am not, I'm, I'm not like at all. Right. <laughs> so it's always oh, that nice kind of like, it's that challenge. Right. So I, I really like that aspect of it. Mm. And no, I, if anything, I'm just, I'm really excited to like hopefully back sometime soon and just yeah. even just see what my adult life kind of looks like there and mm-hmm. what that kind of chemistry kind of looks like yeah for sure especially the way you act you know you're not filipino no, no. the way you move the way you talk <laughs> totally like, of like, course i know you know the culture is uh, improving now the, if especially the hip-hop culture it there are mm-hmm. more guys that are you know move <laughs> like that but I can yeah. guarantee you. I, I was born. I was born there. I grew up there. For sure, for sure. I see you. I'm like, this boy is not from here. Like, don't get it twisted. I know that I'm when I'm walking down the street. Like, I, I'm not blending in. Like, if I'm, <laughs> especially if I'm wearing like t-shirt and shorts and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I have a bunch of tattoos and stuff. Mm-hmm. I got to know like piercings and stuff. And like, even I'm not a big dude whatsoever, but I am. I guess quote unquote taller for a Filipino. Like, mm-hmm. like. Even I'm taller than most of my cousins and stuff. What's your height? At least, so I'm see. I'm not even that big. I'm like five seven, five eight. I'm like okay, okay. <laughs> like, not bad. I not even then. I'm still like a good head taller than my dad. So I'm like <laughs> yo, I I I squeezed out my genetic pool as much as I can. You hey, know? that's I, what uh... I used to hope. I used to hope and like fingers crossed I could make it up to like six, but not happening same same i was like <laughs> i just want to hit at least six one thankfully mm-hmm. i hit five ten yo hey hey man that's pretty good like for uh for for us man people that look like us that's <laughs> that's certified like all all asian status i would say yeah, yeah definitely you 
it's talking about being connected to culture. I also found out that uh, you came from a lineage of immigrant textile artisans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So um, my mom is now a retired jeweler. So she was a, she worked in jewelry for a long time, um, doing that. My Lolo and Lola were all connected within like the garment industry. So whether it was like pattern making, working as seamstresses, working in uh, as a tailor, that basically runs all the way throughout my family. And mm-hmm. it's just really cool passing the torch is kind of how I kind of see it as like now me and my sister, we both work in the fashion industry and like, these very like modern kind of conceptions of like, mm. <laughs> like, I don't know when my folks kind of ask what, what I do. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it's like <laughs> design and marketing basically. But like, <laughs> but it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So I never really, because of that though, I never really had that. Like, I mean, to an extent a little bit, but like my parents always kind of knew I was going to go into fashion. Like, I, like from a early age, that was kind of all I've ever been passionate about. Mm. Yeah. Um, but their thing was like, if you're going to do this, you have to take it seriously. Hmm. And you like, that's kind of where the traditionalism comes in, where they're like, you have to like, this is a craft and a trade. And a lot of people don't get to pursue their passions. So you need to be like, essentially the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no other excuse, but be the number yeah, yeah. one. <laughs> if you're number right? two, like, you're a loser. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's no other number. It's, it's one and only. <laughs> Hundred percent. You mentioned that mom works as a jeweler. Jeweler. How about dad? What did he do? So my dad, he worked for a long time in like the oil industry. Okay. Um, Alberta, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But he worked a lot in the IT side of things. So like, okay. um, on the technology and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of the only one that didn't really like wasn't in the fashion or garment industry which is kind of nice because it's a nice kind of like objective kind of point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also just like a really silly dude. Like he's, he's a funny guy. So um, him and I have a lot of really like fun conversations or he has a lot of like, he observes even like my family talk a lot about fashion and he's like, guys, it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's just a hat. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Speaking of family in, in not fashion, but like textile industry, my mm-hmm. grandma was, she, she was a seamstress. Like she totally for a few years, she used to have a uh, a few people working for her that were making you know Duster. Mm-hmm. Of yeah. course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it says she make those. I feel like it's such a it, that's such a universal thing. Whether like not even in Filipino culture, but like across immigrant cultures, like mm-hmm. having like that is kind of an older generation. Like someone had to be like making the things that we wear, and mm-hmm. like that's kind of that's definitely been kind of ingrained in me like with the intentionality of that you know 100 percent. i'll call you tomorrow let's talk about it why is it called i'll call you tomorrow first of all um the really simple answer is i really liked how it looked written on paper (laughs) (laughs) um just like your but, name, um, there's no excuse. Just like... But the longer the longer version is so. Um, my co-founder he started saying it around some of our parties mm. as like kind of like a working name, and then it kind of just stuck, and then it kind of built into this whole mentality of 
what we're trying to do, which is essentially just build communities and new spaces where those opportunities don't exist. Mm-hmm. And it's like you would meet someone at our parties and just be like, because we originally started to kind of back back Zoom. We started first just in nightlife before doing all the fashion stuff and mm. before doing consulting. We actually started in nightlife and the whole mentality would start from kind of like you would meet someone at our event and actually want to connect and like stay in touch with them at like this given night, whether it was like romantic, platonic, professionally, you're just meeting good people Hmm. and you genuinely would be like, Oh yeah, I'll call you tomorrow. And then that's like, that was the start of what would become ICYT for short, which is now like kind of its own, its own moving machine. And we do, we have a hand in a bunch of different stuff these days. That's amazing. So do you guys make the clothing or do you work with uh, artists that makes clothing? A little bit of both. So it really depends on the type of collab or project that we're doing. Um, but a good amount of it comes from like the factories that I handpick and like essentially like, cause it is just streetwear, right? Like it's a lot of hats, t-shirts, hoodies, pants, everything like, and when it comes to full apparel, So a lot of that, like at the scale I need it to be, has to come out from a factory. Um, mm. That being said, we are, we do get to do these like really cool, unique, more smaller scale collaborations a lot of the times um, where we can work with like handmade artisans, whether it's like home goods or, you know, limited apparel pieces or stuff like that, where it is like quite literally like one of three or something like that, or you know, handmade incense that are like hand rolled and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the cool thing about I'll Call You Tomorrow now is that we're at a place that it lets us engage with things kind of across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So everything from dropping, you know, a couple hundred units at a time to something really, really intentional and just like really special to us. Mm, that's amazing. Was there, do you remember the moment when you said that I'm going to be into fashion And that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Oh, man. I don't know if there was even just like the, the, the wild thing is I don't even know if there was a moment for me because that's basically been my whole life. Like, mm. I don't remember a time before that I wasn't into this stuff or like, and it's not even just fashion, but it's, it's like the culture and the subculture all around it, right? Like, because fashion in itself is always an expression or is inspired or at least is informed by, you know, music, fashion, or sorry, music, art, or, you know, like different publications or just media or the whatever the current zeitgeist or like the cultural temperature is at. Subculture as a whole, I've just been like obsessed about. And then fashion mm-hmm. became kind of just like what I knew how to express that through. Mm-hmm. But it's always been like, For me, it first started out being in like, oh, you know, I want to work in marketing, maybe advertising around fashion. Oh, but I'm also really good at like branding and strategy or like some, like retail and stuff like that. And then that also then kind of spun into like design and products and textiles. And simply now we get to like put that all together into this like really cool formula. Hmm. That's amazing. I know with small companies and handmade and whatnot, the price are a little bit high, steep. Mm-hmm. How can you compete with bigger brand that has, first of all, they are famous already. Second of all, mm-hmm. they have cheaper prices. 
I think for me, whenever I'm faced with questions like that, it really then just comes, it's like a marketing question, mm-hmm. really, where what is your, as a brand, what are you offering to the, to your specific target demographic mm-hmm. that by buying into your product, they're accessing something that's more unique compared to something of a larger brand, insert, you know, insert a Nike, insert a whatever. Yeah. Um, just because like by nature that that like conceptual offering has to be more unique and more something a little bit more nuanced compared to like a big box retailer. Hmm. And that's why honestly these days, like I'm not really all that concerned in terms of like my stuff is literally on the shelf with like bigger brands at the store. But I know that if I'm doing a good job and my marketing is on point and I'm talking to who I need to talk to in the right meaningful way, mm-hmm. that stuff won't necessarily matter. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And also quality, you know? Totally, totally. But that that's the tricky part though, man, is quality is such a subjective and like almost like um like it can be like defined in so many different ways, right? Like quality can be how you feel it. Is it too heavy? Is it too light? Is it breathable? Or is it, you know, does it do this? Does it do that? Or does it also stand for something else, which is like the brand in itself, right? Like the the image in people's minds. You know, we all think that, um, we all know that, you know, if we're playing basketball, if I put Nike shoes on, I feel faster when I wear Adidas, right? But why, right? Because of the brand, because you feel stronger and so yeah. it's like a lot of the marketing and brand work i i do whether it's for i'll call you tomorrow or for on the agency side with tomorrow works is how do you build the right feelings around that brand and around that idea mm. what's opinion what's your opinion about people trying to move away from fast fashion i think it's a good thing like to be honest i mean like fast fashion as a whole It's hard to it's hard for me in a very privileged place to be like oh it's all bad kind of thing mm-hmm. because it does serve a purpose in the sense of like what if you're like a family that needs to like just have clothing for multiple kids right mm-hmm. and yeah. do so in a very cost efficient way and we all know everything is getting expensive these days mm-hmm. I think for me as a business owner and as a designer that does come out with clothing it's then up to me to ask myself in terms of sustainability being like why does this need to actually exist? Technically, the the last thing the world needs is another t-shirt. But if can I inject it with as much of that ideas, you know, that are unique to me and my brand and our platform and our people, can I give it so much of that that it just needs to exist and then also then make it in a way that is as responsible as I can, like, essentially afford as a business owner to make it happen, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and then the, the whole other side of that argument too is like oh if this is the mechanism of like people buying products which then like allows me and my team and my friends to be creative and express themselves through art then essentially you know that that in itself is a reason to, to exist mm-hmm. but Definitely. to go back to your question though on like fast fashion I think the irresponsible part is when if the consumers can't afford to buy luxury goods and, you know, engage with the market with higher price points and, you know, have just like discretionary income. Um, they need to be looking at why am I buying the things that I'm buying? And also like, 
why am I constantly just like feeling the need to consume all the time? Right. Yeah. That's, that's the key. Then, that, that's, that's the hard part. Yeah. That's the hard part is like, you know, the addiction of shopping. Totally. And it's just our society, right? Like, you know, honestly, it's the addiction to consuming everything, mm -hmm. like whether it's media and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's also just hard, man. Like it's, I mean, the irony is not lost on me of like me talking about, yo, don't buy too much stuff when I literally have like a collection coming out this month, you know? <laughs> That's funny. This is one of the things that people ask me all the time. What is good fashion? <laughs> Such a hard question, man. So right? loaded. So loaded. For you, um, what is good fashion? I think for me, or okay, the way I'll approach this question, which is actually a really fun question, but fashion in itself is, it's all just visual language. So it's communication. So for me, that good fashion is being able to show the world what whatever it is that you want to show or communicate about yourself in a whatever way is the most true to you, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. So, and that can look like a million other things to other different people. And honestly, like I'm pretty pretentious sometimes when it comes to clothing. <laughs> who is it? But who isn't right? And we're like, we we like what we like, and that's kind of the whole point of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and like what I think it could be a really cool fit for someone. Someone could think that yo, that's trash and that's completely like off mark. But if it the best like or i think usually whenever what people are like oh that person's so well dressed that looks so good mm -hmm. that's usually because they're so comfortable and it expresses who they are i love that yes 100% mm -hmm. I, you know those people that says oh you know i don't want to dress up because i'm not comfortable you can be comfortable and look yeah. good totally totally um then that's you then that usually comes down to like you know how do we find the right things at the right price point in the right materials that are a good fit, fit your body, that fit your lifestyle, and like can still showcase what you want to showcase, whether that's like your interests, your you know the your context and how you how you live your life and lifestyle. You know, mm -hmm. if you're more professional, more casual. If you are very like formal or business leaning, then like you can still show personality in those constraints and stuff, mm -hmm. but. Yeah, as a whole, I'm actually like I'm a very staunch, like strict believer of like a uniform. So I I only like I only really have like one or two outfits and just like <laughs> multiples of everything, um, because I also like for me it frees up my mind because I have to think about clothing for like everything else for the like the rest of my day. Mm. So the last thing I want to think about is like what I'm wearing at the at the beginning of the morning. Yeah, I heard that from Steve Jobs. He does the same mm -hmm. thing, and uh, what's his name? The Facebook guy was his name. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. That's uh, it. Mark. I'll say I definitely take more style info from uh, from Steve Jobs, less, <laughs> less Zuckerberg. Yeah, did you? That's is that what you where you heard it from? That's why you tried to emulate. Yeah, that? like it was like Steve Jobs, and also just like from around. It's it's been a principle for like for a long time, um, mm -hmm. and like it was actually first explained to me. I think. I forget who told it to me, but like um, through like cartoon characters, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you're watching TV shows on Saturday mornings, 
your favorite cartoon characters always wear the same thing mm-hmm. and it's very distinctly them and when you, you don't even have to see the character but if you see you know the like whatever like what is it the arthur t-shirt or like you know the little the is, i think it's like an orange t-shirt or something yellow um yellow yellow so but if you see it you're like oh that's arthur right yeah yeah, I, I guess so. But I, I like what you're saying about that. I don't have to think because every mm-hmm. morning when I'm preparing, I'm getting <laughs> ready. Man, I'm, of course, this is coming from a privileged standpoint. Totally, I have to go totally. through the shirts, the jeans, the pants, the <laughs> belt, the shoes. And mm-hmm. a few years ago, I told myself, I will stop buying shoes because I have so much shoes, right? <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Same, same. Man. Yeah, when I, like, yeah, yeah. Like I thought, man, when I left Vancouver, like about three years ago, mm. I think I was like giving away sneakers and clothes at that point because I just had like too much of it. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not taking this back with me. And like, especially as, again, this comes from a very privileged standpoint, but like someone that works in the industry, we just have so much shit. Mm. <laughs> and it's, it's hard to even like, like if you see it all like look like all together, I'm like, this is too much for one person to have. Like I know, dude. It's like <laughs> like this just recently, like this past weekend, I was like, okay, I'm done with shoes. Here's the thing. This is justifying my addiction to shoes. <laughs> I don't really buy shoes, people give me shoes. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, I mean You can't say no. And who are you to ref- who are you to refuse a good gift? Hey, my Lola said never say no to free. <laughs> Exactly, you know, and that's a that's that like immigrant mentality of like, yo, I can always use another pair of shoes. Like, <laughs> why not, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, also it's coming from you know not having enough or not totally. having anything at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I have two kids, and this this bastards are privileged kids, and they make fun of me every time. Like, I don't know about if you, if you do this, but. You know toothpaste when you like pushes it up. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That, well, I mean that's that's how I was raised, right? That is the immigrant mentality of like, you no, know, the toothpaste we're 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 rolling it all the way <laughs> up and like, and you gotta push it all the way through too mm-hmm. just to make sure that you're like hitting in the back of it to all the way come out. See, you're missing a st- you're missing a step. You have to cut it open. <laughs> yeah, and you cut it and, <laughs> and then you <laughs> scoop it out. <laughs> <laughs> my my kids laugh at me all the time like dad you're such an immigrant i said hell yeah i am you don't know <laughs> yeah, you gotta own it you gotta own it and like <laughs> it's stuff like that too where it wasn't until i think i was older where the, i was like i didn't even realize that that wasn't ingrained in me hmm. where despite i wasn't like you know i wasn't born in in the philippines but i'm still pushing my toothpaste all the way up and like cutting <laughs> it or like <laughs> Or like, I'm like, why is all the furniture in my house at one point like wrapped in plastic, right? Or, and I just assumed that everyone like lived like that. And it wasn't until I got older where I was like, oh no, okay. I am coming from a really privileged place being like coming from where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. That being said though, like there's facets of my life that are like very intersected within like the immigrant experience that mm-hmm. other people have no idea about you know yeah 100 percent. and earlier you said it that accent 
of course, when I moved here, I was 20 years old. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, like for me, Canadian sound, the, all Canadian sounds the same. Till mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I practiced my, my hearing to it. And like, and sometimes I'll hear kids that, grew, that were born here, but their parents came from, let's say, Philippines. And there's yeah. a word that will come out mm-hmm. like, oh, <laughs> there's some spice on this one. Yeah, like, so I've been told, like, I don't know what specific words in my, in my voice that, but like, sometimes it does come out, you know, and <laughs> it, it definitely was thicker when I was old, like younger, sorry, mm-hmm. like as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even it's like, as you kind of spend time with it, like the Canadian regional accents will also kind of like trickle in <laughs> and then it's this weird mix of like Tagalog meets like the Toronto kind of like East accent. Mm-hmm. And then, like, spending time in Vancouver mm-hmm. is, like, the, like, almost L.A. Valley girl kind of accent. <laughs> uh, and then Alberta is, like, the prairies, right? So it's, it's kind of that, like, central, almost, like, hockey slang comes out. Mm-hmm. So That's it's, it's this whole mix. It's this whole mix. Nice. You mentioned Toronto. Did you grew up in Toronto or you work in Toronto? What did you do in Toronto? So, like I said, so my dad, when he first immigrated to Canada, he touched down in, in Mississauga. Yeah. And that's like just outside of Toronto. And then all of his family is still out there. So oh. all all of his like siblings, his parents were out there. All my cousins on that side were out there. So I would go back to Toronto and Mississauga and like the GTA area, like as a whole. Like mm. Brampton, Hamilton, Vaughn, spending time actually in Toronto, like almost every summer slash like multiple times a year, like for extended amounts of time and Toronto was always in my mind, like my second home. Like mm. if anything, Toronto was like my romanticized community, community that I would look for and try to build when I was a kid here in, in Edmonton, just because of how diverse it was. I've always been like a city guy. So it's like so high tempo and like something's always kind of happening. Mm. Um, and then now we actually, because of I'll Call You Tomorrow and our agency tomorrow work, we are like always actively like working with different brands in and around Toronto, all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. I was just there like last year. I'm working on a couple of different projects out there right now. So I'm probably going to be going down there maybe later this fall. So yeah, I'm always kind of in and around. And mm-hmm. Toronto's a really special Toronto's a really special place in my heart for sure. Mm, definitely. Is I I'll call you tomorrow. Is there a brick and mortar store that you guys have or is just more of like online? So right now it's online for the most part. And our web shop is pretty, pretty wild. So we ship anywhere and everywhere. Um, we're based here in Edmonton, but we're shipping stuff all over to Europe and internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do a lot of these like really cool pop-ups and different experiences built to our products mm-hmm. in like physical spaces. Um, so we actually have one coming up at the end of this month, but we also did like a whole, like two month residency, um, that I called Lola's gift shop. Mm. Um, and it was like basically a streetwear boutique in the middle of a farmer's market. Um, wow. and it would be like our clothing sold beside like produce. And stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so we've done, we've done that before. Um, and we have, uh, like retail stockists, like other stores carry our stuff. And yeah, so like there's always different way avenues for people to get the product. Mm, okay. I want to ask you, since you're a very creative man, 
Do you think that creativity involves putting your heart and soul into your work? Or is it more like letting your mind flow freely to witness the surprising result of your actions? Hmm, interesting. Um, I mean, I would argue that they're almost kind of the same, right? Like, mm. in order to, like, put your heart and soul into everything, and you have to be free and, like, let your mind kind of, like, wander or, like, um, essentially play. Like, I always kind of approach it as, like, if I was a little kid, how am I playing with, like, these action figures and stuff like that? And that's creativity in itself, but you're still putting like your heart and soul in there. Um, though I really learned going through fashion school was to do it at a very high level. You need to be able to separate your heart and soul from it, where it's like, mm. you basically need to have a really thick skin. Um, you put your heart and soul to it, but the minute that it's out there, like it doesn't belong to you anymore. Like it can get critiqued. It can get ripped apart. It can be, if it's well-received, amazing, but it's not everything you make is going to be well-received. Like, or if you work in the creative industry, sorry to break it to people, like not every idea you have is going to be the number one amazing idea, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you need to be able to like, just kind of believe it up to a point and then just let it exist in the world and then separate yourself from it. I love it. Well said. Have you ever been faced with negative feedback and how do you deal with it? Oh, all the time. I mean, like, yeah, like I went, I went to fashion school. So like, that's literally design critiques and like, you know, you basically submit all your stuff and then they rip it apart just to build you back up again. Um, or even on a more practical example, like, you know, I'll come out with something and I think it's like, so like really dope and like comes out with this like really cool story and a narrative and idea. And we spend all this time and energy and like money on the marketing for it it comes out and then it just like, no one is into it. <laughs> and you're just like, shit, okay, <laughs> well then. Um, but then you just roll with the punches, you know, like half of the battle for me, or probably honestly not over half, like I'll, I'd even say like 90% of my like appreciation for what I do is like literally just being able to make my ideas like a reality. Mm. So like the minute it's out, that's a success for me. After that, it doesn't matter. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great approach to things that you don't have control. Yeah, and like control in itself is an illusion, right? So mm -hmm. who am I, like, if I, I can do, I know that I trust myself to do a really good job for everything that I can control immediately. Mm -hmm. But like the minute that that exceeds my hands and exceeds my team's hands, that's actually just not my problem. So like it's it's very freeing. <laughs> yeah, I love that approach. Very beautiful. It reminds me of Bob Dylan. He was asked to interpret his songs and what it means, and he pretty much says the same thing. Like I don't know, dude. I write the thing, and then whatever yeah, happens, right? happens. <laughs> and like it's it's the it's the way that you can find a lot of freedom in it, um, and also what just practically lets me and my friends and our team, just because I work with my best friends. Mm -hmm. um, do what we do because we at any given time you know we're juggling like five to six different projects or you know like literally in my phone I have like three different time zones at any given time <laughs> but like I'm very blessed that I'm not a perfectionist and I always kind of come back to that and actually to go full circle Virgil Abloh really taught me that on mm -hmm. like me 
learning from his lectures of just like you only really at most given time you only really need to change things like three to five percent yeah i love that but were you always been like that growing up or this is just the recent uh... i think if anything i i've always been like this to an extent hmm. and then after that it was being really like I, I used to have a lot of energy or like pent up anxiety after the fact of like after you put it out mm-hmm. will this be well received what do they think of me all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. now it's kind of just like once it's out it's gone like it it's out of sight out of mind for me how did you work yourself to that i think it, com- it just comes with like the maturity and the confidence honestly like once you start working on so many things and you got your repetitions in and you know what you're good at Mm-hmm. once it's out there you're just kind of like you feel comfortable with it and then like i've gotten what i need to get from it now now it's up to everybody else kind of get whatever they want from it yeah i love that how are you adding to the representation of the filipino culture <laughs> man heavy questions bro <laughs> <laughs> it's funny i i do that is something that i do think about um I don't know, just on some like like legacy type stuff. So just like hopefully there's in my mind there's like some young kid that probably wants to do what I want to do, or just at least it's like a little bit more non-traditional in their upbringing and what they want to get out of their life, and whether it's like professionally or just anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but is also still very much tied to the Filipino cultural identity and diaspora and like the immigrant experience. Mm-hmm. And part of like me being able to like use whatever platform I have um, at my disposal, like if they see that and like see that it is like can be done, and I'm like, yo, that's a win in itself, kind of thing. Mm. Um, that being said, I'm also just like, hey man, I'm just trying to do me. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure in some aspects I'm a good role model, but I, I'm definitely not a perfect one. That's mm, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, you know, it's not your responsibility to be to someone to look upon to. You know? Yeah, like if anything, I love, I, it's really, really cool that I'll call you tomorrow specifically. Like we get young kids coming up to us and being like, hey, like we love what you're doing. And, you know, my first experience engaging with a community that exists here is because of you guys. <laughs> um, and that's great. And I love it. And I, you know, I'm really blessed for that. That being said, I also just can't like there there is a little bit of separation there where I'm like cool that is maybe a core memory now but now I can't be like I can't be personally responsible to then like guide them all the way throughout which is mm-hmm. you know usually it's pretty pretty self apparent kind of thing yeah. but to be even considered in that realm that people look to me or the people I'm around that 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 is like it, it's a cool experience for sure mm-hmm. but like you said earlier it's It's out of your control. Right. And like people will do what with, with what it is, right? And how they want it. Yeah. What do you wish to accomplish with I'll Call You Tomorrow? Oh, man. My favorite response to this like question is literally just take over the world. So um, <laughs> the way I approach I'll Call You Tomorrow is I actually see us closer to like a media company mm. versus an actual fashion brand. Um, or we're basically like a media company with like really good merch, essentially. Um, because it's just the machine that lets me and my friends express themselves. Mm-hmm. And with that mentality, 
I just want to have a hand in like as many different cultural touch points as I can, like mm-hmm. across the board. So whether that's like clothing, nightlife, hospitality, retail, um, we even dabbled in just like prepackaged food and like having collabs in grocery stores or like we, we've done like children's clothing. Um, it's like truly really anything that we are into, like we'll just figure it out and just like make it happen. And now we have this inbuilt platform to engage in the community with it. Wow. You collaborated with food? Yeah, like on some, uh, it's funny, on some true like Filipino shit, um, we did a collab ice cream like last summer, I believe. Um, and it was sold at Seafood City in uh, in Edmonton, which was like, like, it's fun. My parents, they, they, they're, they're very supportive of what I do. Mm. Um, but it's like, I'll be like, oh, hey, like this ended up in like GQ. And they're like, oh, that's cool. But like me showing them the photo of like the package that I designed of like a cool ice cream in Seafood City in the cell. They're like, oh, yo, that's like, that's really cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> for them, GQ, what's GQ to them? You know? Right? Or just because they know, like, oh, Seafood City, that's like a big deal, right? Like, that's the one that they're taking photos of and like put it on the Facebook group chat, you know? <laughs> I love that. Like, oh, dad, this is GQ. And I, yeah, cool, whatever. And then Seafood <laughs> and was like, like oh, cool. Seafood and I was like, oh, seafood, like, seafood City? Like, that's the one that was like, they asked me to, like, oh, let's go to the grocery store and take photos in front of the shelves, you know? Ah, that's <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, because for them, it's like tangible. Totally. And there's like, there's a touch point of like, oh, we know what this means and we know what this stands like in context of like the greater environment. 100%. Do you get hate from other Filipinos? Maybe, probably, honestly. I've like, mm-hmm. I just, I'm so tunnel vision these days that it's just like, maybe if it comes in, but at the same time, like maybe because my Tagalog is bad and like, you know, whatever, oh, they don't like my tattoos. Yeah, like I truly, I don't lose. I don't lose sleep over most of that stuff, which is like kind of the way to go about it just because like it is kind of the double-edged sword of like Filipinos, right? Like we do love to gossip. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I hate that like, oh, yeah, he's not Filipino, he's Canadian, he's not uh, pure. I'm like, what? what is pure for you, you know? Like yeah, he's Filipino, right? you know, like, especially basketball, <laughs> going back to basketball. It's like, mm-hmm. like Jalen Green is a great example, right? Like he's mm-hmm. half mm-hmm. Filipino. But he will not be considered Filipino because he's half only. Right. Or because he doesn't quite, quote unquote, like look like the half Filipino that we have in our mind. Right. Like, yeah, um, it's always it is always kind of this like discourse or even between first and second gen or, you know, people that stayed in the Philippines, the Phil and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. It's just stuff for people to fight about. But I mean, in my idealized romantic world, it's kind of just like we are all part of this experience and like basically experiment that is like immigration and like the diaspora as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's what bonds us together. And we all have more things in common than we do have things in different. Right. Yep. We all, sure. we all eat rice, man. Like it's, <laughs> we all... exactly. You know, for your uh, products, I'll call you tomorrow. Have you ever collaborated or maybe planning to collaborate with local artists from the Philippines? Not, de- not specifically in I'll Call You Tomorrow. Um, not to tease it too, too much, but I can't talk about it too, too much. Of course. Here, but I, uh, I, I have a, a 
a few other projects in the works with like other local like a lot of a lot of things happening around like Manila, Makati, and all, like a lot of the creative scene awesome. happening in the Philippines, mm-hmm. um, specifically just in like the streetwear and the fashion world, because um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of really cool stuff happening in there. Mm-hmm. Like really genuinely, some of the most talented people I get to come across are literally just like just like barangay boys that are just like don't know how to use Photoshop, but they can draw like crazy, and they, the way they put things together is just like so dope. Mm-hmm. So like. Yeah, definitely. Like you can see it in some of our output, and you know, I worked on a pop up out there actually uh, this past spring. Mm. Um, but there's there's some cool stuff in the work that specifically I want to like I want to be able to like express my creativity and like figure out com- what my community looks like in the Philippines specifically. Um, nice. But yeah, more on that like coming soon, probably like later in the year, so, like 2024. Yeah, for sure. It's hard to build a brand. What keeps you going? I don't know. Honestly, it's like, <laughs> it's hard to, it, it sounds like a cop out, but not much else. Like, you know, the brand, but like my friends, my family, like the, I get to like just my lifestyle because I get to work with my best friends and I get to have a lot of freedom and how I go around things. And it's, um, it's been a wild ride. I'm not going to lie. And that's, that's what keeps me going and having that appreciation for what I do. And, you know, I definitely have a very like, I pace and if you see my inbox and the people that know me know that I basically just like don't sleep but <laughs> I truly wouldn't have it any other way mm, congratulations thank you bro thank you I appreciate that of course man I love like when people go for it you know and people are trying and you know people that look like me you know and right? <laughs> we need we need representation out there you know totally totally and I should say too like across my journey i've been really blessed to have people not necessarily all the time filipino but like people that look close to us or at least have very similar stories help give me moments and give me opportunities and recognize the talent in me and like push me forward and like that brought me up and if anything as i am getting a little bit older you know i turned 28 last week or a couple weeks ago so you're a youngin I know, I know. I'm a youth, so. But, like, as I, in my mind, I'm getting old. But, like, as I'm getting old, I'm, like, it is something I'm cognizant of. And, you know, when you ask me in terms of, like, representation, mm-hmm. I've been really blessed to have these, like, really dope mentors. And if anything, if I can be that for other people, whether it's directly or indirectly, then I'm, like, yo, that's, my mission is done, right? Like, that's, that's all I can ask for. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned mentor and teaching and whatnot, because that's, like, that's what my quest- next question have you thought of creating a class to teach what you do? And maybe I don't know. Yeah, we, we should team up on it. It feels <laughs> weird. Like <laughs> I don't like I never. For me personally, I never like to come across like preachy. You know, like mm-hmm. all I can really talk about is my specific and unique experience. Mm-hmm. I definitely know what I'm talking about in some things, but I'm like, you know, whether it comes to like let's say like product design or something. But even then, I'm like. I get weird anytime anyone's like my opinion and is like the authority and is right. Right. And, or if it feels like that, I'm just, I, I get a little, little weirded out by that. But if anything, I, like that is something I would love to, I'm interested in exploring in when it comes to just like sharing my story with other people. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, you, have, you don't want to sound preachy, but 
it won't be preachy if you're talking about your life and about your art. Yeah, that's true, man. That's true. Like, if anything, uh, I'm sure there's a world out there that, like, the the Ray class exists. I've yet to just, like, figure out the full con- concept around it, you know? Exactly. I think we're there. But before we close out, I want to ask you one most important mm. question. I reserved Let's this for it. last. <laughs> what advice can you give me to improve my fashion sense? Ooh, ooh, okay. Um, I will say invest in the very simple things. So whether it's just like a really high quality, like white t-shirt, white button up, um, make sure like, yeah, find whatever that is that fits you the best. And if it means you're only buying that once or twice a year instead of like six times a year, even better. And on top of that, it's not only just buying it, but like caring for the product. So whether it's like tailoring, alterations, having like a good steamer, having a good lint roller. Um, I wear a lot of black, so I'm constantly like lint rolling. <laughs> and like taking care of something will show that you're taking care of yourself and like you care about other people, you know? <laughs> um, that is just good hygiene. Like especially for guys, I feel like I tell like other dudes a lot, be like, yo, cut your nails. You know, take a shower. <laughs> take a shower. <laughs> I think that's, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? But, yeah, I mean, I, I love what you said there. Definitely. Again, Ray, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really, really do appreciate it. Yo, bro, this was really fun. I will say this has been like some of the more fun questions that I've taken on in the oh. past little bit. It's been, it's been really fun, bro. I appreciate that. I take pride on my questions. <laughs> Yeah, I can tell you've done you've done your research. If you like, uh, or if you feel like, um, if you're familiar with Nardwar, if you're he's like the Canadian yes. interviewer, yes, yes. It, it low key feeling like I'm getting interviewed by Nardwar. You're like pulling <laughs> up all these like receipts and stuff. Crazy. That's that's an honor, man. Thank you so much. That means so much. Again, Ray, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. and have a good evening. Yo, thank you, bro. Much love. Much love. Bye. Again, Raylan, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.